0: What's going on? Welcome to episode 11, week 13. I'm your host, Perry Aston, joined by my co host, Adam Stark, and a special guest today. Adam, how's it going? It's going great doing another podcast and getting this stay going. Definitely always we have a special guest today Dennis Bennett down and dynasty ff on twitter his at name is at culture underscore coach got to coach the culture someone's got to do it writer for dynasty nerds and the fantasy life app he's on 12 ounce sports radio every single thursday and sunday at 12 30 eastern time so make sure you go tune in to him on there he's great to have i'm so happy to have you on dennis what's going on man hey i'm Having a great day. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. So we're here to talk a lot of fantasy football with you. Gets you excited for the playoffs. Hopefully sets you up for a championship run. If not, gets you excited for next year if you already got eliminated and you're still our fantasy diehard listening to our podcast. Even though you have no playoff implications, you are my favorite kind of listener. I'll give you a little bit of advice before we do. Let's remind you to listen to our podcast on the podcast.com website as well as the Apple Podcast app. You can make sure to follow us on Twitter at ffb unwrapped you can follow me on twitter at perry Aston. adam on twitter at everyday ffb and like i said our special guest dennis you can follow him on twitter at culture underscore coach <laughs> let's jump right in guys kareem hunt signed hat was now given away after the chiefs rams game which was insane adam who did we give it away to how did that uh, end up Right when we started
1: the announcement of the giveaway, Cream Hunt absolutely went on a tear. I know he had a bit of a slow start and then just absolutely started to pick it up. So the hype around him was growing.
0: I'll be sending that out in the next couple days. Derek Craig. Derek Craig. All right, Derek. Well, congratulations on winning our hat, and we're going to be sending that over to you. I saw on Twitter Adam and I are about to launch a Melvin Gordon signed jersey giveaway. Adam's got all oh, of, yeah. all of these in his back pocket. He's throwing them out left and right. So thank you guys for being so active with us, for retweeting that. Let's talk a little bit of playoff football. Are you guys in a position to make the fantasy playoffs in your main league, or are you guys fringe playoff teams right now, or are you guys eliminated? It's okay to be honest. This is a safe place. We'll start with you, Dennis. How is your fantasy teams looking? Well,
2: I have a lot of fantasy teams. I'm in 12 leagues. Nice. So I'm I'm a little bit of all three. In uh, my redraft leagues, I'm pretty much out of it in all of them. Uh, Just tough breaks. Things didn't fall the way that that they needed to for me. And I'm a combination of anywhere from three and nine to six and six. So four of those leagues, I'm out of it. My home league, which is a two-keeper league, this year my number one keeper I spent roughly, I think, 27% of my auction budget on Le'Veon
0: Bell oh. over Kareem Hunt. Oh, man. And,
2: and so I, I kept Bell and, uh, who was my other keeper? Stefan Diggs okay. over Hunt and Michael Thomas.
0: Ooh, so I, a, I just, a you tough know, I picked, I,
2: I picked Bell and Thomas. were both about the same amount of money. And so I wasn't going to keep both Bell and Thomas. Uh, in retrospect, I should have kept Hunt. I, I just believed Bell was going to come back, so I'm I'm sitting at four and eight in that league, and uh, it's the uh, the highest payout. You know, it is what it is.
0: We are all shocked that Le- Le'Veon Bell didn't come back. We all were banking on at least his return by about week eight, but he's nowhere to be found, and it really screwed a ton of fantasy owners. I know my buddy Sam in my home league was the one that drafted Le'Veon, and I got to give him a quick shout-out for being able to construct that team without Le'Veon and still find a way. Tough breaks. I am pretty much in if I win this week, I'm in. If I don't, I'm out. I might need a little bit of help in front of me, but I really do believe in my team. I believe in me. I believe in the fantasy atmosphere because I'm putting out good energy. So I'm making the playoffs. I have to. But yeah, like a, that's a $600 buyout for that league. That's my home league. I love that. Adam, tell me a little bit about how you're doing on your leagues. And the league I, I probably
1: care about the most, just because it's got the closest friends of mine in. It's not the biggest prize money. The but most it's prideful, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, in that league, I am number one in points scored. I got Pat Mahomes off the waiver wire before the season started, but my team's five and seven because I have had the most unlucky schedule ever. I went so in-depth into my scheduling that I went back and looked at every game and who scored on me, and I realized I have had nine top four finishes, and I still am not going to make the playoffs in that league.
0: Damn, that is a break. We it's always something talk I've about it. I've never seen before. Adam, but I
1: have the second most points scored against me. It
0: just uh... we talk about this all the time. The hardest loss to take in fantasy is when you score the most points in the league, except for the person that you're playing. And I know that happens to you a ton. And it happened to me last week. It is such a tough stinger to where you know if you would have played anyone else in that league you would have easily walked away with that victory but it
1: happened to me three times in
0: that, uh, in that one league I was second three times out of ten guys lost all three of the games to the number one guy and I was like oh my gosh I just it was not meant to be putting out good energy for any of our teams that are still in the playoff hunt and you know no pun intended with Kareem Hunt sorry about <laughs> that Dennis you should have grabbed him <laughs> let's talk some players that have been placed on the IR We're going to start with Marvin Jones and what that means for the Detroit Lions fantasy implications for the rest of the year. Maybe with the receiving core, but for me, I'm going to start off with this one. Theo Riddick is the one person that really interests me with knowing that Marvin Jones isn't going to be there for the rest of the year. Because that's a mixture of Marvin Jones and then you have On Johnson who's dealing with a bit of an injury as well. So you have Theo Riddick who, yeah, doesn't get a ton of carries when he is playing because he's more of a scat back and is more of a slot receiver than a running back, but he will get a few carries, especially if carry-ons out. You're not going to give Legarrett Blunt 15 to 25 carries in a game and if you do you better be on the goal line the entire time I think Theo Riddick will still be able to slip out maybe three to five carries on a weekly basis doesn't sound like a lot but that's not his bread and butter I see him doing well in the passing game Theo Riddick is going to be an interesting flex play for me for the rest of the year and of course this is an uptick for Galladay I really do like Galladay I think he's an all-star Golden Tate leaving it seems like eerie timing now with all of the injuries and everything Dennis, give me your opinion on Marvin Jones and what this means for the Lions. Well,
2: I'd be more on Bruce Ellington than Theo Riddick. I like Riddick. I think he's got okay floor, but he has a low ceiling. Right. And I think in the passing game, Ellington's going to slide into that, that slot role, and he's going to start to pick up a lot more targets there. I think the target monster is going to continue to be Kenny Galladay. Yep. He's going to probably get close to a 30% target share, which... The way Stafford's been playing this year, I'm not sure that that's going to be a good thing. But I'm a big fan of On Johnson. I wrote on Dynasty Nerds earlier this year. He was my pick for Rookie of the Year. I think if he could have stayed healthy and Patricia would have used him in a true workhorse role more often or sooner, then I think he'd be in the consideration. I don't think anybody's going to catch Barkley. He's had a phenomenal year. But Johnson would probably be in second if he'd been used a little bit more. The challenge with
0: Detroit, I think, is going to be that Stafford is just having a terrible year. Yeah,
3: And yeah, you're, he's you're going to
2: put them in the him. hole, and they're going to have to try to fight out of it. The offensive
1: line, I thought, would play a lot better than they have, and they've struggled. Well, we, we just put TJ Lang on IR, he's getting old, and he's been banged up. Ragnow's kind of been up and down Decker hasn't really done much and Stafford just he's looked bad since the start and I think with putting Marvin Jones on IR as the Lions essentially throwing in the towel I don't think On Johnson will be rushed back or even in the next couple of weeks just yeah. because the Lions can take their time on this. And I 100% agree, Perry. I think this is Theo Riddick's time to shine. I think he knows it because he could get some more carries, possibly raise his value, maybe get a contract extension or trade it for something else. But he knows this is his opportunity. And I think Riddick has a great chance to exploit it in the next couple of games.
0: Yeah, and in no way do I compare Theo Riddick to other running backs around the league because of the way that he plays the game. But like you said, with Stafford, he passes the ball a lot. Yeah, it hasn't been super effective this year, but they've been taking away all of his weapons. Yeah, Golden Tate's gone. Marvin Jones has dropped like a fly. on Johnson's not in the lineup week in and week out right now. He's going to have to throw the ball to someone. He's going to have to make this happen, which is why I like where you brought up Dennis Bruce Ellington, who I believe had six targets last week. Not a ton of yardage, but the targets are there. The rapport is going to continue to build with Stafford now week three of him being on this team playing games i'm interested to see what they do in the passing game but like you said adam i think they did just throw the white towel in i just would like to see carry on johnson get more of a workload next year just like you were talking about dennis he is so intriguing and his ceiling is so high but we're not able to see it all yet because the fact that yeah injuries have plagued him a bit but patricia has plagued him a bit he hasn't fully thrusted him into a role that we've all been hoping for especially for fantasy owners who were really hoping they could have came up on a low-end RB2, maybe even a high-end RB2 if, like you were saying, if he got the full bell cow workload that we were all hoping for. So we'll see for next year, but we do know they have some talent there. Do you see Matt Stafford and any of these other Lions walking away after the year or getting (laughs) traded or anything like that, Adam, or do they kind of run it back?
1: No, I think they're just going to run it back, keep Stafford try to start to slowly rebuild. I'm not sure what they'll do with Marvin Jones. I know he's got one or two more years left. Kenny Galladay and On are obviously the guys we're going to try to build around with Stafford, obviously. I think our tight end spot's a little bit questionable just because we have Roberts. But then again, him and Stafford have had terrible chemistry shown the last game. I'm not sure what we'll do about him. The offensive line was bad, but I don't see anyone really getting traded Blunt. Won't get re-signed. He's going to be gone, and I think on Johnson's role will just—he'll be the three-down back. And if Riddick is still there, then
0: it'll be him and Riddick going forward. I can see that. Let's move on as a smooth transition to tight end with Jack Doyle. I know you mentioned the tight end position being a struggle in Detroit. Well, they did just have Eric Ebron. And now he's not on that team anymore. So we're going to talk about a little bit about what he's doing. Jack Doyle going down. It's only going to help Ebron's value for the rest of the year, who's putting up monster numbers. He hasn't been getting the targets that I guess he would hope for for a tight end. But how many targets do you hope for for a tight end? Three to five. In my opinion, if you're getting three to five consistent yardage and goal line looks, that's a traditional tight end. And then you get to another level of tight end where you get to the tier ones, where it's pretty much a receiver on steroids like Gronk, Kelsey, Ertz, and that's why they are just that extra tier above the rest. But with the tight end wasteland that we're dealing with this year, you're just trying to find anyone that's getting production. And production, that's an understatement for Eric Ebron, who has 11 touchdowns right now. The tight end record, I believe, is 17 from Gronkowski. Seventeen from Gronkowski in two thousand eleven and with Jimmy Graham sixteen thousand and I, Lions 13. fans would have
1: an uprising if Eric
0: if he he broke, broke, it. broke
1: that record. He's <laughs> got honestly, a shot. I wouldn't be surprised. Because Luck loves him so much in the red zone, I wouldn't be surprised if he got, like, three one game, two one game, and then two another game and got 18, you know? Like, just something ridiculous where you're like, how? Because, I mean, he got three in one game already, even though one was a rushing touchdown, but still.
0: Yeah. He got two this last week, uh, the week before he had a goose egg. I don't know if he was injured or if he just wasn't in. The week before, he had another two touchdowns on top of that. If we're going to keep going in the way it is with this trend, maybe he goose eggs this week and throws up another two next week. But Eric Ebron's putting up some crazy numbers. Andrew Luck is looking for that number one target. It's sad to say that I think it's Eric Ebron over T.Y. Hilton. Do you guys agree? I think it's
3: Hilton. I think Hilton gets
2: down the field more, creates a lot more separation. Ebron is a matchup problem. It's, it's when
0: a, he... Dennis, it's a different world for tight end receiver. Like you said, of course, Hilton's the ceiling for the opportunities is crazy. But is he Andrew Luck's number one target is what I'm saying. Like if you have a choice to pick up that first down on third and eight, you know, who are you going to? Well, if you
3: have to give five
2: targets to just one of those players, who are you giving them to?
0: It's going to be T.Y. Hilton, but I don't think that's what Andrew okay. Luck is doing that makes right him now. him the number one. I don't think that's what Andrew Luck is doing. You're asking me, my personal opinion. What I notice, especially in the red zone when it counts, the big plays that you're looking towards, it seems like it's been Eric Ebron, which is shocking to me. Because I think T.Y. Hilton is such an explosive number one, but... It's been super underwhelming for me this year with T.Y. Hilton. I've been more excited about the random waiver wire pickups I can make on the receiver end, like Pascal and Rodgers, whenever they were doing well. T.Y. Hilton hasn't been consistent on a week-to-week basis, but Ebron kind of has when he's played.
3: Ebron, you know, the game he
2: laid the goose egg, wasn't that Doyle's first game back? Yes. So that kind of told you what their plan was there. Doyle's injury kind of threw that all out of whack. Right. So now, reluctantly, they're going to go back to feeding Ebron, he's been surprisingly efficient.
0: Yes, that's, uh, I that's, mean, that's, that's That was always his word. issue
2: in Detroit. His issue in Detroit was the efficiency. Now, for for whatever reason, it's happening this year. I think this is going to be the best year of his career. I'm not sure how long his contract is, but if he's a free agent after this year, then he needs to sign himself a big old deal. because yeah. I, I think after this year, it's back to the inefficient player he was uh, in Detroit for four years.
0: Go get that money, Eric Ebron. I totally agree. If he's on a contract year, I'm not, I don't have his contract in front of me either, but you go sign that bread somewhere with the kind of year that you're having right now. You said it best, Dennis, when you said surprisingly efficient. No one expected this. This was a backup tight end, and if not, you don't expect this number from Jack Doyle, who's technically their number one tight end. You don't really expect these numbers from any tight end, especially if you're talking outside the tier of Gronk, Kelsey, and Ertz. This is just another guy, in my opinion. You know, Eric Ebron is, of course, a tier above the rest of them when it comes to all the waiver wire tight end wastelands that we're going for—Nick Vanit and you know, Seals Jones and all these. But he's still not elite. I saw, I heard someone call him elite this last week, actually Matthew Barry on ESPN, and it kind of made me cringe. Ebron's not elite. You know, elite means he would be up there with Gronk and the rest of them. And there's no way you guys are going to say he's elite, I right? I going, going forward, I think he's elite. He's a
1: top five, even top three tight end going forward just mm. because Andrew Luck loves him so much. But and is it
0: elite this year or elite as a player moving forward?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, I get what you're saying, but, like, if from a fantasy perspective, he's elite going forward for the remainder of the season, but not for next year. I agree with both depending on how you view the take, I guess.
0: Right, I... I think we all have really good points on this one. I think it's just interesting. The tight end wasteland, it's so tough to find any type of production, let alone the type of production that Eric Ebron's putting up for you right now. We're going to move on to the next IR placement, Andy Dalton. Dennis, what do you think about this? Whose value does this hurt? Is Jeff Driscoll a smart waiver wire pickup for people looking for a quarterback streamer?
3: Depends on who you're playing, what your other
2: options are. I know in one league, Blake Bortles, I, I'm in a super flex league, and Blake Bortles is my only healthy quarterback. Ooh. I'm going, I'm going to be spending my fab on Jeff Driscoll this week. I don't really have any other choice. I'm actually in that league, I'm going for the 101. It's a complete tear down and rebuild, and I have Josh Rosen, Christian Kirk, and Dallas Goddard all on my taxi squad. It's a dynasty league but I'm not going to activate them because I want to get the one-on-one. I'm way out of the playoffs, lowest-scoring team in the league. So I'm going to go spend my bat last week of the season. I'm going to spend the rest of it, pick up Jeff Driscoll, play him this week. I'll throw a position player in my super flex spot and go forward. But I wouldn't play him over Case Keenum. I don't know that Case Keenum would be in my top 12. I might play him over
0: Lamar Jackson, depending on how I felt about what defense they're playing against. But Atlanta, so... yeah. Um, then probably not. You know, yeah. he's going
2: to he, he's gonna have 25 carries for 120 yards, and he'll throw for 115 yards and probably a touchdown.
0: Probably an interception, too, but the numbers know, will be there.
2: Yeah, and Driscoll's shown himself to be a capable backup in, you know, the Colt McCoy, Trevor Simeon mold, I think. That's sort of where he's developing in his career. So he can come in for two or three games and be serviceable. I think A.J. Green is who it's really going to impact. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if they brought him back. I think they I, I have him sit out. Yeah, If they're smart, Marvin's not going to get fired because Andy Dalton got injured and they lose the last three games, four games. Yeah. If that happens, it happens. Mike Brown's already shown that uh,
0: he's not going to fire Marvin. Adam, I know you mentioned on Twitter, I saw you make a, mark my words, Aja Green will be placed on the IR prediction. I think that was yesterday. And I totally agree with you both. Why bring him back? Why risk anything and put him out there for no reason? when Exactly, yeah. Especially because he's power. got the toe injury and you've
1: already thrown your quarterback on IR. So I mean, Might as well. You're pretty much out of the playoff hunt, and I don't see their season doing anything without Dalton being there, and not to mention their defense has just slowly started to become one of the worst defenses in the NFL, so I think they saw that, and they realized their playoff chances were gone. Dalton was injured, so they just figured that was their best option.
0: At least the Bengals' defense was getting a good pass rush in the beginning of the year, and they spent a lot of money on the pass rush resigning some of these players, and the pressure wasn't even getting there anymore. They're giving up tons of points. You're right. The Bengals' defense looks atrocious. And for Andy Dalton, I have one more question. Him going down, does this hurt or help Tyler Boyd? Because I know we're mentioning not bringing back A.J. Green. Someone's going to have to get the volume. Tyler Boyd found a way to score this last week. What do you guys think about him? I know it's kind of a hard thing to tell with Driscoll and not being able to tell the rapport moving forward with any of the people around there, but do you think he's intriguing with the idea of A.J. Green not coming back, or is he another guy that you just feel totally unconfident with, with Jeff Driscoll? I think Boyd
2: kind of stays where he was at. I think he's a boomer bus one, low-end one, with probably a high wide receiver three floor,
0: Okay, he's gonna, and it's going to be based on volume. Right. They're going to have to throw some, and somebody's going to have to catch it. That's what so I'm saying. So it won't be yeah. a high-volume passing
2: game, but when they do throw, Boyd is going to get the target share. They'll try to get Ross involved. As far as the chemistry, Driscoll's been there for a couple years now, and so I think him and Boyd have you know, spent some time as backups, Right. and so they probably have some chemistry. I think Uzoma's the same way. He was the backup for the past Two years, and so he's had ample time to spend with Griscom, and so there could be some surprising chemistry there that catches us off guard.
0: Right, and I'm just excited to see Tyler Boyd. He's one of my favorite fantasy players. I put a touchdown promise on him a couple weeks ago. He didn't come through. Did come through this last week with a touchdown. So if you're a Tyler Boyd owner, you know keep him on your your flex spot for this week. You know keep him in your flex though, so that you're flexible. You would want to have another option at receiver this week while we kind of keep an eye on this. But if you don't have another option, don't feel like you have to sit Tyler Boyd. He's going to probably have opportunity. It's just kind of tough to tell right now. Don't listen to those
2: people touting John
0: Ross as though he's going to break out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Mixon might get some of the
1: some of the looks from Driscoll even. I think just because he could be a nice little check down, and especially they know they have a gem in him, so why not run him important parts of, of the game when they're in the red zone on the five-yard line trying to punch it in. I think Mixon will start to have some red zone rushes increase.
0: If they're doing the wide right talent, do you think Giovanni Bernard gets a little bit more work and maybe they slow down Mixon a little bit? I'm just asking a question because I'm not sure how much risk they're going to put on the stars there if they've clearly kind of are just playing for pride at this point. Do you think Giovanni Bernard becomes a little bit more relevant and Mixon becomes a little bit more irrelevant, or do you think Mixon goes full workhorse for the rest of the year? I think it'll be game-scripted
1: depending on who they play. I think if they're getting blown out or even down by, like, three scores then I think Gio will start to play more but if the game's relatively close I think they're going to want to compete and want to show their fans that they can still win football games so I think if the game's close or if they're leading even that uh Joe Mixon will be getting the bulk of the carries but if they are getting blown out or if they're starting to lose a lead or something or playing a really really tough team I could see Geo getting some more carries and maybe slipping into some more
0: production I totally agree yeah, I'm on board, too. Jeff Hewerman. That's a guy that I know we talked about, Adam, a couple of weeks ago. I think your dad had a connection with like his dad or his uncle at work. and uh, Ironically. Yeah, it was kind of funny. But yeah, he's on IR now. And he's an Ohio State guy, too. He is. <laughs> we do have an Ohio State and a Michigan guy on the podcast. So we're not going to get into it right this second, but at some point I'm going to unleash the beast, and we'll talk a little bit about those two. <laughs> But Jeff Heuerman going down, the backup for him on the waiver wire, he will be on our fire waiver wire, would be Matt Lacoste. He did score this last week. It's a guy that is a tight end streamer in this tight end wasteland. There's not really much I can go in depth. You just hope and pray that they get three to five targets and a touchdown for you that week. and. If not, you're hoping they don't just Ricky Seals Jones you and give you one point on a weekly basis. Guys, what do you think about the tight end position? Do you think Hewerman really hurts anyone? Do you think picking up Lacoste is going to be a smart move for anyone? Do you think they're kind of just minor moves in the grand scheme of things? And you're just looking for anyone to really fill on that tight end spot right now. I think uh, Matt
1: Lacoste will absolutely step up. You could see that Case Keenum was targeting him and kind of like both tight ends. Hewerman would kind of get up to the red zone targets and then once he was in the red zone Lacoste would get the red zone targets and so I think it was kind of a mixture of both of those tight ends now if you eliminate one of them I think
3: Lacoste is he's a solid top 12 tight end going forward in my eyes and maybe even better
1: Yeah. so
0: you'd say that Hireman is the who Jones of tie-downs there? Yeah, 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 believe it or not. Just just allergic to the end zone. Gets him to the red zone and then they forget he's there. Yeah, he's he's just allergic. He didn't take his Zyrtec. We're gonna go Andrew Norwell, not a guy that's gonna help fantasy too much, but an offensive guard who is gonna help us transition to the Leonard Fournette news. Let's talk a bit of Leonard Fournette being suspended by the NFL for a game for on-field conduct. What do you guys think about that? We have a couple other Jaguars news. They fired their offensive coordinator and named Cody Kessler, their starting quarterback. Let's kind of umbrella that whole Jaguars take I just gave you guys. Dennis, what do you think about the Jags? They're looking terrible right now. Fernette out for a week. What's going on?
2: Losing Norwell is going to definitely impact the running game. I do think that Hyde has shown himself to be capable. Hyde probably won't get the number of carries that Fournette would have, but Hyde and Yeldon together, I could see Hyde getting 17 carries and Yeldon 9 carries and then Yeldon catching some passes. So I think they'll still be able to produce if the line, whoever steps in for Norwell, can hold up and and do decent. The challenge is going to be with Kessler taking over at quarterback. Is he going to be able to present a big enough threat to get eight or nine men out of the box. If that doesn't happen, then there's going to be nowhere for anybody to run, whether it was Fournette or Hyde or Yeldon. So it's all going to kind of be dependent upon Kessler's ability. If he can complete a couple passes early and back the safeties off the line, then that will open up a little bit of room for for Hyde and Yeldon to operate.
0: See, this is such a shit show. When you really put this all into perspective, they just lost to the Bills this last week. They're clearly one of the worst teams in the league. You just lost your beautiful, beautiful lots of linemen that you signed this off season. Norwell is such a beast. He's right up there with, you know, Andrew Whitworth on the Rams for me as some of the best offensive linemen around, and some of the most experienced, so they really add that veteran presence. It's really going to hurt more than people think. Leonard Fournette is gone for a game, and yes, breaking news, Leonard Fournette doesn't play a game, and it doesn't shock any of us, even if it doesn't have to do with injury. We're just so used to it at this point that it's not that shocking to me. If you're a Leonard Fournette fan, you clearly have your plan B and C on your roster, because you're not super back on the Fournette train, even though he's been playing super well. you still got to be... Cautious with his injury history. But now you have a new offensive coordinator, your running back's out for a game, you have a new quarterback, you're down your best offensive lineman, off one of your worst losses to one of the worst teams in the league, just losing the Bills is a moral killer really. For me, I'm looking at the Jaguars as in the worst position in the NFL for week thirteen. Moving forward, they're not the worst team in the league, and they're not in the worst position in the league. But for Week 13, there couldn't be more of a transition period. There couldn't be more question marks. And if you're going to ask me to start anyone on Jacksonville, I'm going to tell you no. You can try and start Carlos Hyde if you want, or Yeldon, or any of the receivers they have there, Westbrook or Moncrief. But none of them are promised production this week. None of them have promised roles, promotion of a new offensive coordinator, and a quarterback at the helm with a weak offensive line. So we're not going to go over that again, but it's looking like terrible news in Jacksonville. Do you have any last take on that for me, Adam?
1: Yeah, I think it is a complete mess, too. I think Kessler starting is going to be a very big question mark, and I think it'll drive into whoever the running back's production is because I don't think Kessler will be able to move the ball and act as a threat to defenses. But Leonard Fournette is going to try to oppose the one-game suspension, and that will be taking place before I think four today so So I don't think he's gonna win the appeal but if he does then do not grab Carlos Hyde just because it would be a wasted pickup because Fournette's playing and he seems to be very healthy so I think if Carlos Hyde does get the start Fournette's suspension holds up I think he, he is a reasonable play definitely a
0: flex guy I think he's got touchdown upside and We'll definitely get the bulk of the carries. He might not be there in the passing game, but he's still shown he can break through uh, holes and and find lanes and and score touchdowns. I mean, Carlos Hyde was an RB2 in the beginning of the year. Do you not remember that? When he was on the Browns, he was leading the league in carries first or second with Gurley for a bit. He was extremely efficient. He was playing well. I had him on my team in the beginning of the year, and he was winning me games, so Carlos Hyde has the ability to be a workhorse. He is the kind of running back that the more carries that you give him, the better he gets as the game goes on, as he wears down the defense. He's a guy that needs volume. If you give him 12 carries, maybe he might do what he needs to do if you give him the right goal line carries or anything like that, but 12 opportunities is not enough for a guy like Carlos Hyde. He needs 25, and I know that sounds like a lot, but if you want the full Carlos Hyde where he's just running through defenses and tiring them out and finding a way in and out of the holes. He's not an outside runner. He's through the tackles. He needs to bang you up and wear you down. And if you don't give him the opportunity to do so, he's not as explosive as some of the other running backs. That's where TJ Yeldon gets a little bit of a bump for me because of his versatility. I really would like to see them, if they don't have Fournette, use Carlos Hyde fully, give him at least 20 carries, give TJ Yeldon 5-7 to seven with some catching. But that's, of course, assuming that they have a decent offensive output, which is not something you can assume because there could be the smallest amount of time of possession that you've seen all year. So you're not sure what to think of for the Jaguars right now. Kind of stay on hold. Browns beating the Bengals. Baker Mayfield had some words to say about his ex-coach Hugh Jackson, who went to Cincinnati to take on a role there. Quote, didn't feel like talking to him after the game. He was here trying to tell us to play for him, and then he goes to a team we play twice a year. That's how I feel. We have people that we believe in calling the plays now. Dennis, what do you think about this quote? What do you think about the Browns dismantling of the Bengals? What do you think about the joke that we call Hugh Jackson? I think Baker
2: Mayfield is definitely one of those guys that if you don't want to know what he's thinking, you better not ask. (laughs) Because if you do ask, he's going to tell you exactly what he's
3: thinking. Right. And I don't think there was anything malicious in what he was saying. He was asked a question and he just said, look, I don't think that he should have done that. He
2: didn't show any loyalty really to us by doing that. He didn't even give Mayfield a single snap with the ones in preseason. And so it was one of those situations where he was trying to act like he had a plan that he was working. And his plan clearly was not working. When Mayfield got in there, Mayfield made plays. Does that mean that? Tyrod Taylor is a terrible NFL quarterback? Absolutely No, but you saw in that first game, there were a couple throws in that game that Mayfield made that Taylor would not have tried. And Mayfield not only tried them, but he made them. He's not afraid to throw an interception. I did a debate with another uh, fanalist at the beginning of the season. He was all on board with Baker Mayfield, and I'm like... Look, you drafted him to be your guy. There's nothing about anything that he has shown in his past that tells me that going to 0-16 will break him. He's probably one of the most resilient quarterbacks I have seen. He isn't like Joey Harrington. He isn't like a lot of these guys that, you know, Blaine Gabbert. He he can come in. He's going to take a beating. He's going to throw some interceptions. He's going to make some bad plays. And he's going to learn and he's going to move on. And he isn't going to internalize it in the form of, man, I must really suck, he's going to say, you know what, I have to work harder. That's what he has done all through his college and NFL career. He went into that game when Taylor had that concussion with zero first-team reps and led that team. From the moment he went into the huddle, that team knew something special was going to happen. Could he be a decent OC? He showed in the past that he could coach some quarterbacks. No. For whatever reason, he seems to have gone so far off the rails that I I don't know. It's going to be funny if he gets promoted to head coach in Cincinnati. It'll be certainly interesting to watch.
0: I will put my money down that he doesn't get promoted to head coach, and I'm going to hope and pray and beg all NFL teams to just completely blackball Hugh Jackson, get him out of the league. I don't know what coach could ever go one win and followed up with zero and still have a job.
1: Yeah, that is insane. But I will say this: once you become a head coach, you kind of have this rite of passage where you will always be able to find some sort of coaching
0: job. No, I I didn't say some sort of coaching. I just said I put my money down that he wouldn't be a head coach again. But now I, I'm I'm begging.
1: Lions head coaches, all of them were just garbage head coaches, and they're, they're now defensive awesome offensive coordinators That's for true. the Eagles and Cowboys. That is true.
0: <laughs> no, that is going down to a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator position. Well, it's probably his only option, except for, I mean, this year, what did he sign as? It was like a special assistant or something the like assist,
1: that? Yeah, assistant to the stare to an office joke. like assistant to the manager. To the regional and manager? I
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> That is funny. But yeah, like you think you said it best, Dennis, when you said with Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield, when you saw Baker Mayfield go in there, making plays that you'd think Tyrod Taylor wouldn't have made. Not that he couldn't make those plays, but you know that Tyrod Taylor wouldn't have even taken those chances. Because that's the one thing that has made him a successful quarterback in the NFL is his ability to not make mistakes, Tyrod Taylor. His ability to be a game manager, a very Alex Smith-like kind of guy, but with more athleticism. But they both don't take the risk that you hope for, but they're not going to mess it up for you usually. Baker Mayfield's the kind of guy, you got to go balls to the wall with him, and you're 100% right. you got to fully go in Baker Mayfield mania and fully see what he's got and let him go through the ringer. If you're going to slowly go about this quote-unquote plan and have Tyrod Taylor play the entire season and pretty much waste the fact that you used a number one pick, use him next year. You know, that's – I guess you could use that as like a Pat Mahomes kind of mindset and what Dorsey was trying to do, and I think it's exactly what they were trying to do. But at some point, you have to see the kind of talent that you have and just unleash the beast. Like you said, Hugh Jackson was so adamant on not playing him that I think he didn't even realize the talent that he had in Baker Mayfield. He was so caught up on his quote-unquote plan and the fact that there finally was a new GM, finally some talent on the Browns, and he still wasn't able to do shit with them. He still made all the wrong choices. Whenever I watch him coach a game, it just frustrates me. So let's let's ask you a question, Dennis. What moves are you making right now to solidify a playoff run for you? Any last-second adjustments?
2: I play mostly Dynasty, and I did a Dynasty startup earlier uh, this year, and so we're in our, our first season. I took Zeke in the first round, followed it up with... Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford, since it was a super flex league. I then took Josh Gordon in the fourth round. Needless to say, as good as I felt about my team after the draft, my season started off 1-4. and four. I'm still playing Stafford and Wilson, and while Wilson is having his usual renaissance at the second half of the season, I did draft Rod Smith in the 18th round of the start-up to handcuff to Zeke.
0: Very smart. At
2: 1-4, and four, I knew it was either time to... Push my chips into the center of the table or cash out and start totally rebuilding. I chose to push my chips to the center of the table and I went out and got Kareem Hunt. Okay. As last week, I had made it up to the fifth seed. Was it six and five? But I close out the season versus the number one
3: seed and the number two seed. So I'm sitting at six and six after Hunt being on a bye last
2: week. Got one game to go, and I'm currently the seventh seed. I I need about four things to happen.
0: (laughs) Sounds pretty similar to my situation in the home league. I got to win. You got to at least hope that one person loses. What are some moves that you're making right now to strengthen your team? Advice for any people trying to beef up their team last minute?
1: If I have the playoff spot locked or I know who I'm playing this week for maybe the last spot in the playoffs, look at their defenses. Look at if maybe they stream defenses each week and if their defense is playing a tough team like you were streaming the Ravens
0: defense against the Raiders last week killed it. But now, the Ravens are playing the Falcons, so you're obviously not going to stream them again, so you're going to have to go get someone new. Therefore, I picked the strategy of taking as many defenses as you can, trying to screw (laughs) over (laughs) your opponent. He's going sabotage. Sabotage. It's
1: it works and I think it's a strategy that can be used with kickers even though kickers are really really hard to do it's that's in-depth defenses for sure you could definitely do it with quarterbacks if the guy has an injury with someone where like if he has an Andy Dalton he's gonna go pick up a streamer and I think you could kind of try to block him by picking up some good streaming at
0: quarterbacks That's so funny. So I like the blocking method if you're trying to
1: get into the final spot. If you have guys like Deshaun Jackson, (laughs) you know, just guys who who aren't really going to do much for you, then drop them and just try to go block out your opponent from getting the good defense or the good quarterback, I guess, because there's obviously or usually more than one good streamer for defenses and most likely quarterbacks too. So if you can have two or three of those
0: That always helps. That is so funny. You're using the sabotage method. My buddy Christian, who's in my main league, he did that to me last year. So We had a two-quarterback league. I don't know how I drafted this way, but both quarterbacks were on bye. It was such a mistake on my part. But this was towards the end of the year. I had to go look on the waiver wire. He went and picked up two or three of the top options for me, and it left me with Case Keenum, who was still kind of on the up and up last year, and it was Josh McCown. And I remember uh, those were my only two options. I had to go pick them up, and I had to put them in, and they actually won the week for me. They both played out of their mind. Christian had every quarterback that you could have tried to grab, tried to sabotage me, and Karma bit him in the ass, and I actually ended up winning because of the two slightly above-average quarterbacks that I had on my team that week. Let's talk Fire Waiver Wire, who we're picking up this week, like we said, making moves. We have ours right here that I'm going to read for you. (laughs) Justin Jackson, Los Angeles Chargers. That's if Melvin Gordon's out. If Austin Eckler is still somehow on a waiver wire, you better go pick him up, but he should already be rostered. Josh Reynolds, Los Angeles Rams. I think we all forgot a little bit about his performance a couple weeks ago against the Chiefs because of his buy this last week, so make sure you go pick him up. He's filling in for Cooper Cup. Look to do so efficiently. I'm not a big Everett fan yet. I don't think he's fantasy relevant quite yet, but if you are looking for a tight end hopeful, go for it because the tight end wasteland is so tough right now. Bruce Ellington, like Dennis said earlier for Detroit, smart pickup. Mike Williams, Los Angeles Chargers, put up two touchdowns this last week. Doesn't have a ton of volume, but clearly has that rapport with Philip Rivers, I'm intrigued by him. Theo Riddick, a guy I mentioned from Detroit, and Legarrett Blunt as well for Detroit. That's assuming carry on Johnson's injury lingers into this week, and we're gonna have to go pick up whoever the next man up is. I would go look towards their route, guys. Speaking of next man up with Leonard Fournette's suspension, we have TJ Yeldon. If he is on your waiver wire, go pick him up. Same thing with Carlos Hyde. Hyde will be probably more of a realistic option to be available, but go look for one of them with Fournette out, especially if he doesn't win the appeal today. Frank Gore with Miami, nothing much has changed to up or lower his value, but I do know that Kenyon Drake is dealing with an injury that could linger into this week, and Frank Gore is Mr. Consistency. I swear he's going to live to 150 years old. So Frank Gore, if you're going to play him and hope for him to be productive more than just a super low-end flex, hopeful every week, then... This might be your week if Kenyon Drake is officially out. Rex Burkhead from the New England Patriots, finally off the IR, able to play now. David Moore, receiver for Seattle, scored last week and was on our fire waiver wire a couple weeks ago, is a smart and interesting pickup. Naheem Hines for Indianapolis, that's assuming, of course, with the injuries of Marlon Mack. Go look to him, even Jordan Wilkins, but I'm not going to be putting Jordan Wilkins in my starting lineup for any scenario. So I'd pick Naheem Hines for his ability to catch the ball in the backfield and do a lot more things on that team. Matt Lacoste, who we brought up, guys, from Denver, the tight end, who is now going to be filling in for Hewerman, scored a touchdown this last week. So he is a smart pickup, like I said, if you're looking for anyone to play at the tight end position. And lastly, Jeff Driscoll, quarterback, Cincinnati. There's not another quarterback that's going to make our fire waiver wire this week. It's not even that he excites us, but you know with fantasy football, it's the next guy up. It's the opportunity. So like you said, Dennis, if he doesn't have a lot of options this week, injuries, buys, whatever that may be, Jeff Driscoll may be your only solid option this week. Guys, do you have any comments on any of the list here or anyone that I missed that you want to add or anyone that you really want to specify on that list that you really want to go Spend your fat no, to go get. I think those are all great options. I think a sneaky pickup might be Chris
2: Herndon. He's going to be going against a pretty tough defense in Tennessee, but the Jets have to do something. So Tennessee has shown they can be susceptible. Herndon has been making some plays. Yes. So from a tight end position, him and Mark Andrews both. I think that Jackson does have a tendency when he throws the ball will miss some looks, and then he runs and ends up looking short. Uh, And so that puts both Hurst and Mark Andrews in play a little bit. Those are probably, you know, I I really like David Moore. You mentioned him. Zay Jones was coming on a couple weeks ago when Barkley was playing. But now that Allen is back, you know, Robert Foster, if people are going to go chasing points, Foster's the guy. Yeah, I still have Josh Doxson on the waiver wires in my home league. If he could be an option, especially if in their situation, if Crowder doesn't
0: come back and be, become a target. I like Trey Quinn a lot as well. Yeah, Trey Quinn's interesting. I like that one at the end. We're going to move on to my rankings. Uh, Adam, I don't know if you have your rankings or not this week, but I'm going to read quarterback, running back, receiver, and you guys can totally just jump in whenever you feel necessary and want to make comments. Or tell me if you want anything yeah, to out. I have rankings too, Perry. I have
1: for quarterback, right
0: back, and wide receiver Perfect. for half point. So. Awesome. So I got half point also. I'm going to start with quarterback, and then we'll do Adams quarterback. My number one, Pat Mahomes. When is he not? At Oakland, it's just an easy matchup. Number one, no doubt. Two, I have Cam Newton going up at Tampa Bay. Three, I have Drew Brees at Dallas. I know... I am a Dallas fan, so I'm hoping for the best, but this is Drew Brees. I really think he's going to torch him. Number four, uh, Jared Goff at Detroit. Uh, Five, I have Ben Roethlisberger versus Los Angeles. Six, I have Andrew Luck at Jacksonville. Not really a scary matchup for me anymore like it used to be. Regardless, even if it was the same Jacksonville as old, Andrew Luck would still probably be a fringe top 10 quarterback to me. That's how good he's playing this year. Then we have Jameis Winston versus Carolina, Russell Wilson versus San Francisco, Deshaun Watson versus Cleveland, Phillip Rivers at Pittsburgh. And for 11 and 12, kind of around the outskirts for me, Kirk Cousins and Lamar Jackson. I actually have Aaron Rodgers as my 13, so and he's not making it. I have Aaron Rodgers 13, Wentz 14, Brady 15. So it is very weird to have those guys on the outskirts. I just don't like their matchups this week, and I like the people in front of them better. What do you think, Adam? What are your top 10, top 12 rankings for quarterback?
1: One and two is pretty obvious. Pat Mahomes against Oakland and Cam Newton at Tampa Bay, Mm -hmm. both very weak defenses, should be high-score games. Uh, The only reason I would say Mahomes and Newton wouldn't perform is if they both raced out to Leeds and got pulled in the fourth quarter. So number three, I got Jared Goff at Detroit. I think he's just going to tear apart the Lions. Four, I have Ben Roethlisberger, home against the Chargers. Five, Jameis Winston, home against Carolina. Six, Drew Brees at Dallas. I wish, I wish, I wish, Des Bryant was playing in this game, I had him on all my teams. He would have went off on his old Dallas team. It would have been great. But that's not the case. So number seven, I have Russell Wilson. I think he's just going to torch this San Francisco team. uh Eight, Andrew Luck. I agree. The Jacksonville defense is just not who they were, and Andrew Luck has posted three touchdowns in the last eight games, a streak that has only been surpassed by Tom Brady's ten straight games. Number eight, I got Philip Rivers at Pittsburgh. I think he's just been on fire. He's making a playoff run, trying to get that first-round bye. And against Pittsburgh, this is how you do it. If they beat Pittsburgh, they're going to get real close to that first-round bye. At number 9, I got Sean Watson at home against Cleveland. And then 10, I have Kirk Cousins at New England.
0: Dennis, what do you think about the rankings?
1: I like Breeze at 6. I could see that being a game where
2: um, it's either close and... They, they don't get as much of an opportunity. They don't run as many
3: plays. Or I could see New Orleans get out early and pull the reins in. Yeah. Either of those are both
2: scenarios, I think, that are, have the higher probability than two-way shootout. Dallas has been coming on since they acquired Cooper, so it, it could turn into a
0: shootout. Yeah, it's just a really interesting team now with Cooper on there. Elliott's efficiencies went up. Dak Prescott's efficiencies went up. You can really tell having a quote-unquote number one type receiver there is making a difference. Breaking news. Having someone that can play the position at a high level will take pressure off other positions. Breaking. So I am excited as a Dallas Cowboy fan for what Amari Cooper has done for the team. Like you said, though, I'm not sure what kind of game this is going to be against the Saints. The Saints are a scary good team, possibly the best in the league. So regardless of how Dallas is playing lately, you have Drew Brees, who is an MVP candidate, two of the best running backs in the league. And you know, a hell of a receiving core too. So this Saints team is very scary, and not to mention their defense is playing up to par as well. I have running back rankings. I'll start with one. Todd Gurley at Detroit. Always, I feel like oh, Todd Gurley number one. That's gonna be brutal. Yeah, no. brutal. I mean, doubt. I thought that. I thought that against the Chiefs too, but he did have an ankle injury,
1: so I think he'll off the five with this angle injury, I think, yeah, Todd Gurley's
0: going to Yeah, off. and what is the status of Snacks Harrison on the Lions as well? Is he playing healthy right now, or is he still being held out?
1: No, he, he played uh, in the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving game, and um, he's he's practiced this week. Cool. I, I expect him to play. Cool. I haven't seen really
0: anything on him. Not that that's um, going to change the ranking for Gurley as number one, but just curious because Snacks Harrison is intriguing on the defensive line. I'm really hoping that he's going to at least help make some sort of dent. When he's not there, it's actually really, really sad to see the defensive line that they're putting together right now. Two, Kareem Hunt, like we were talking about at Oakland. He's killing it this year. We gave away a hat to a lucky fan earlier in the show and earlier in the week. We mentioned it. So, Kareem Hunt, keep doing what you're doing. Number two, he's balling up. Three, Christian McCaffrey. Speaking of balling up, this guy is going off at Tampa Bay. Number three, Christian McCaffrey. Four, Ezekiel Elliott versus New Orleans. Five, I have Saquon Barkley versus Chicago. Six, I have Alvin Kamara at Dallas. Seven, I have Aaron Jones versus Arizona. Eight, I have James Conner versus the Chargers. Nine, I have Nick Chubb at Houston. Ten, I have David Johnson at Green Bay. 11 and 12 right on the outskirts for me. I have Joe Mixon versus Denver and Gus Edwards at Atlanta because they can't guard running backs for their lives. So what do you think about my rankings, or Adam, you want to run through your running back really quick? (laughs) I agree with Todd Gurley being one, obviously, but for my number two, I think I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey. I think he's just been on fire with Cam, and, and they've been passing
1: touchdowns. He's been receiving touchdowns. He's doing it all. I do think Kareem Hunt could finish at that two spot, too. I got him at three. Number four, Ezekiel Elliott at New Orleans, five. Saquon or Chicago, that guy, although Chicago's defense is incredible, Saquon's just
3: more incredible. More incredible. Yeah. So number
1: six, I have Aaron Jones. I got him a little high. I think I the agree, Packers I are in a must win. I also think Aaron Rodgers has the ability to finish top five just because he knows the position he's in, and he could play lights out on anyone and be top five.
0: I got Rodgers so, so low, but I have Jones very high this week. I totally yeah, agree with yeah. you.
1: Coming in at number seven, I have James Conner at the Chargers. I think it, James Conner's just He's a stud, although the defense had got Bosa back. Didn't help at all last week. Obviously shown in that blowout. Number nine will be Nick Chubb at Houston. He's just looked on fire. He's starting to catch passes now. He just made incredible, incredible touchdown catch. Maybe one of the best catches of the year as a running back. Yep. He absolutely mossed the defender. It was awesome. And I think he's just going to carry
3: that mojo into the next game. And number ten, I got Joe Mixon. I know you had him at 11 or 12, but I think Denver Their defense is just more of a pass-lockdown type team, and they kind of let the run slide. Although that has been the case in the past couple of games, I do think Mixon busts out and has a good game. Dennis, what do you think about the rankings? I was way off on McCaffrey preseason. I didn't think he'd be able to hold up as well as he has. I thought he'd have a few good weeks and then fade quickly,
2: taking the beating. So I was really, really off on him. My concern with Aaron Jones, and and he's a guy that I love, I think sometimes McCarthy still handicaps him a little bit. Definitely. Sunday night, I think he should have had more touches. I think that game could have been a lot different if they had used Jones more, but they they didn't. I'm nervous about DJ. I had him ranked pretty high preseason, and I thought that if nothing else, he was going to get the volume. And even since Leftwich has taken over, the volume hasn't been as consistent as I would have liked. Ten or eleven, maybe, and then Mixon at ten for Adam. To me, that's kind of a hope play. Let Let's see what you know. We talked about Driscoll taking over right. earlier. We'll, we'll see what happens there.
0: That's why he wasn't in my top ten, but still, uh, I believe I had Mixon at twelve because it's right there. You know, you have. Yeah,
1: to be I, I think he's going to be getting the load of the carries. I think this isn't a game that will get blown out and or kind of fall out of it
3: real fast, just because. The Denver defense and Denver team hasn't looked extremely
1: well, although they have started to win. They just beat Pittsburgh, so I could definitely see Joe Mixon having an off game, but I think he's the last prominent piece on their team, so I just think we'll
0: feed him. I see where your head's at. Let's do receiver. I'm going to start with Antonio Brown versus Los Angeles. Two, Tyreek Hill at Oakland. Three, DeAndre Hopkins versus Cleveland. Four, Mike Thomas at Dallas. Five, Julio Jones versus Baltimore, and I know you're going to call me crazy on that, but I think he's going to really have a great game. For some reason, I just feel like it's going to be them going from behind. I think Baltimore is going to actually win this game against Atlanta, so I think game script's going to be in Julio Jones' favor, and I think they're going to have to pass a lot. After that, I have Adams versus Arizona. I have Adam Thielen at Patriots, Odell Beckham Jr., for Chicago, playing a stout Chicago D. That's why Odell's at 8 this week. 9, Brandon Cooks at Detroit. Hopefully he's fully healthy. They look a little bit banged up last game. We'll see how he goes out. Josh Reynolds is a really smart play this week still. We have Stefan Diggs at New England and Juju Smith-Schuster for me. Juju's still always there for me. I love that guy so much. He's got the, the best personality. The guy's been putting explosive play after explosive play. What was it, 97 yards? It, it's so exciting to watch. Right on the outskirts, uh, Robert Woods is going to be right there as well, who is going to have a great game in this Los Angeles Rams offense. What do you think about my rankings, Adam? Do you have anything different? No, they're
1: pretty pretty similar to mine. Uh, I like Juju, and he was one guy who I just completely missed this year. I did not see any of this coming. I thought Juju would be maybe a fringe top 30 receiver, but he's... He's a fringe top 10 receiver in some games, but my rankings are going to go a little bit different for one and two. I got Tyreek Hill at number one, just because I think he's going to get two huge plays. And at two, I got Antonio Brown. I think Casey Hayward will give him a little bit of trouble. Three, DeAndre Hopkins. Four, Devontae Adams. Five, Michael Thomas. Six. Julio Jones, I think, yeah, he could have a good game against that Baltimore defense. He's really been starting to roll, especially with all the yards he's been racking up. I think there's a chance he gets a touchdown, too, just because they've shown that he could get touchdowns and make plays in the end zone. Yeah. Uh, Number six, I got OBJ. I know Chicago, tough defense again, but OBJ had a down game, and I think he's going to bounce back from it. I got him there. And then number seven, I got Adam Thielen at New England. Eight, Brandon Cooks against Detroit. I think he's just going to torch us. Nine, Robert Woods. I either think Brandon Cooks or Robert Woods will be a top five play. I just don't know which one. Whoever Darius Slay is covering opposite guy will go off just because there's no number two corner in Detroit It's, it's bad coming in at 10 I do have Juju Smith
0: Schuster that's my top 10 cool let's do a bit of a bold prediction here at the end maybe a touchdown promise like we did the last couple weeks so I don't know if you want to start with yours Adam if you want to make a bold prediction on maybe an upset or a touchdown promise for our listeners let's hear what you have to say this week I'm going to make a bold prediction and say uh, Kenny Galladay is going to get two touchdowns against this Rams defense. I know he might not have the nicest matchup with Peters, and just the Rams defense has looked good, but I think there's going to be a lot of garbage time for the Lions, and I think Galladay is going to get one touchdown at least garbage time. So I have no idea why I have this feeling in my stomach, but Equanimius St. Brown is going to score a touchdown this week. I just have this... Crazy gut feeling. Rodgers is going to get bored, throw a touchdown towards his way. I know he didn't come off the best game this last week, but he's another guy that was on my fringe waiver wire pickups this week. I just can't make a promise that he's going to be productive, but I just have this gut feeling that for some reason he's going to score a touchdown this game. So I'm just going to put that out as my touchdown prediction. Gonna take a flyer this week with Iquinus Saint Brown. I'm bold as black coffee this morning. I haven't even had my coffee yet. So I have to very, very to ha- bold. Have to go Saint Brown with a little bit of vanilla creamer. Yeah. And then we're gonna wake up a little bit. Dennis, you have a bold prediction or anything that you wanna put your name on for this pod? I think
3: Rashad Penny is
2: gonna get ten carries on hundred yards.
0: Oh.
3: He's
2: gonna it's gonna take a long one to the end zone. San Francisco has, let's see, looks like about the 27th-ranked defense.
0: A hundred yards and a touchdown for Penny. That's a double promise that we have on our team today.
2: He's shown he doesn't need a ton of of touches. He's also shown the more touches he gets, the better he'll be. He didn't play a lot last week because he dinged up his ankle the week before. I'm going to play the whole Pete Carroll, you know, a lunatic. A liar. And his is going to just go out there and he's going to put Carson in and maybe Carson ends up playing two plays because on his flip he banged up his ankle and they're not telling anybody about it. Or he just doesn't play Carson and then says, oh, his ankle was bothering him from that flip after the game. I think Penny take 10 carries. Give him
0: hundred yards and a touchdown. Yeah, you saw that flip. That was insane. Superman. That was sick. Yeah. Full round. Landing on his feet and then kept running. Didn't just like stick it. He kept. He took a couple of steps after that too, which impressed me even more. So that was insane. That's all we got for you guys this week. If you have any questions for fantasy lineups, anything for waiver wire pickups, please hit us up in our DMs. Right now is the most important time of the year. You can find me at Perry Aston on Twitter. You can find Adam on Twitter at EverydayFFB. You can hit up our page together at FFB Unwrap. Our special guest, who was such a pleasure to have on this week, at Culture Coach Dennis Bennett, writer for Dynasty Nerds and the Fantasy Life app. He's on 12-ounce sports radio every Thursday and Sunday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Such a pleasure to have on, my man. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Anytime. Of course. Go listen to us on podcast.com or the Apple Podcast app. You can also now find us on the Pulse Podcast Network at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. You can check us out on there with a ton of other top podcasts. Find them on Twitter at PulsePodNetwork. Good luck this week, and we'll catch you next time.